0: So this morning, we're going to begin in, in the book of Luke, and we're going to look at the account of the shepherds. We're going to look at the account of, of the shepherds. That's why we're calling it the shepherds and the Savior. And we're going to look at the birth announcement for, for, for Christ, and, and who were the first people to get the birth announcement of Christ's birth, and that was shepherds. So we're just going to look for three weeks, culminating in Christmas, of this account in Luke chapter 2. So I'm calling the message this morning, good news for everyone. Good news for everyone. So let's go before the Lord and pray and ask him to help us this morning. God, we come before you this morning and we thank you for the privilege of gathering together. Lord, what a great privilege it is to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ. And and God, I I ask that you would help us today to receive your word as we study the gospel of Luke chapter 2 about the birth of Jesus and the announcement of his birth. And God, I pray that those that are here would have ears to receive and, and hearts to receive and to hear your word and to apply it to their life. And God, I pray that you would help me to open my mouth to preach your word and to exalt Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So whenever you had your children, did you send out a birth, announce, a birth announcement in the mail? Did you send, is there anybody that, that, that did that? Yeah? Yeah, maybe, No? So I believe that's a tradition. We've gotten, we've gotten those birth announcements in the mail. Just to, It's a card. It may look something like this. We've got a few ideas of what, I don't know who these kids are. They could just be from some random parents in America or the world. I really don't know. But there's one called Lincoln there. Lincoln Beckham Meyer. It's a great name. Uh, so you send something out like this. But who, do you, who, who would you send a birth announcement to? Like who do you send it to? You send it to people that you, that you know. You send it to people that are important to you. You send it to people that hopefully have some money and maybe if they miss the shower, they can send you a check later. Right? You wrote your list of people to invite to the shower and they don't show up. You're like, we're going to send a birth announcement to them just to make sure that they didn't forget that we still need a few things. But you send the birth announcement to people that are important to people that are valuable to you, to people that you want in your life. Well, in the birth announcement for Christ that we're going to see in Luke chapter 2, the first people to get the announcement of the birth of Jesus it's the most unexpected group of people. It's the people that you would think, why in the world would God decide to let shepherds know first that Jesus was born? Those aren't the people that you would send a birth announcement to. So let's look at Luke 2. And we're going to see who got the first card in the mail about the birth of Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was... And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So I really want to look at two things this morning from this Luke chapter 2 text, from this announcement of the birth of Christ to shepherds. Really, two things we want to look at this morning. The first will be this is that the gospel is good news for all people. And then, secondly, The gospel is good news for all people that a Savior has come. The gospel is good news for all people, and the gospel is good news for all people that a Savior has come. So firstly this morning, the gospel is good news for all people. Did you notice in Luke 2, in verse 10, look what it says. The angel said to them, fear not. You can imagine they would have been afraid. If you're out in the field as a shepherd, and you're watching the sheep, and all of a sudden an angel appears in the sky at night, and starts talking to you. You think you'd be afraid? You, I, I mean, clearly, I think, you know, we have this, uh, we have this graphic that we had made for the series. And you kind of supposed to look, look like stars back there. But really, that's really quite not bright enough. I would imagine that the glory of the, of the Lord that was shining from heaven, announcing the birth of Christ, would have caused great fear just to light itself. But then the angel of the Lord stood and declared, hey, listen up, guys. I've got a message for you. They were afraid, and so it says there, the angel said, fear not. I bring you what? Good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for all the people. And it is no accident. It's no accident that Jesus chose shepherds first. He could have chosen anyone. He could have went to, to the king. He could have went to princes. He could have went to, to, to important political people. He could have went to those who were the movers and shakers in the society of the day, but he didn't go there. He went to lowly shepherds first. And I don't believe there's any accidents with God and what he does and with his word and how how, how we see it revealed in scripture. Because he's telling us something. That the first people to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ about the birth of Christ were people, shepherds, who in their society were on one one of the lowest levels of society, just above a common slave. Their testimony would not even be admissible in court. So of all the people, God chose shepherds first. And this is what it speaks to us. It speaks to us that the gospel is for everybody. It's for, it's for shepherds and kings and for everyone in between. For shepherds, for the lowest of the low. For those that society overlooks. For those that society says that, 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 they, that they are too far gone. That they are, that they are not worth saving not worth pursuing from all the way down to the bottom and all the way down to the top those that society says are the greatest those that have the most money the most influence the most power the gospel is for all people but it is so significant for us to to process and to think about the reality that jesus started that god started with the lowest of the low isn't that who jesus was isn't that what he showed us in the Gospels? Who did Jesus spend time with? He spent time with sinners, people that were considered sinners of his day. He had conversations with people that the religious leaders of the, of, of the Jews, of his people, would criticize him and say, Jesus, why are you spending time with these people? He would talk to a woman in John chapter 4, a woman, an, an adulterous woman at the well in John chapter 4, had a conversation with her. And no doubt he was criticized for having a conversation with a woman, but also a woman that was a great sinner. He, he, took, he, he, he took it upon himself to go after those who were the lowest of the low. Look at Matthew 9. It says this, And Jesus passed on from there and saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, "Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners?" But when he heard it, he said, "Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came to call the righteous. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. What is Jesus saying here in this section in Matthew 9? And and what do we see in this parallel in Luke 2? He came to the lowest of the low. He came for the sinners. Why? Because those who are sinners and don't know it, and those who think they are righteous and sinners, they, they, they don't think that they are sinners and those who do know that, that, that they're sinners, he came for them. He came for, for, for those that are sick, not those that are well. And he started with the lowest of the low. This is who Christ is. This is what he came to do throughout his earthly ministry. He continually perplexed. And then ultimately, he angered the religious leaders of the Jews. He perplexed them. And eventually, he angered them because he continually, he continually went against the stream of the day, the stream of thought of the day of the Jews, which is that God loved good people. That was the idea of the day. God loved good people. God loved righteous people. God loved people who obeyed the law of Moses. And so Jesus went against that, and he went and talked with Matthew, a tax collector, and a sinner. And he ate with sinners, as we saw there in Matthew 9. He went against what they would have done. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have gone into the house and, and eaten with sinners. They wouldn't have walked through the threshold And Jesus was demonstrating that he came to to bring good news to all people, not just those who think they don't need a savior, not just just for those who think they have it all worked out, but for the lowest of the low. You know, one of the ways in which I think Jesus uh, sought to overturn the prevailing mindset of the day amongst the Jews was in the Sermon on the Mount. Do you you remember in Matthew chapter five, the Sermon on the Mount? The phrase that Jesus said, use in the sermon on the mount he 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 would say this you have heard it said you have heard it said and then he would overturn and show them a a deeper truth on at a greater level and he would expose even the hypocrisy that these religious leaders were walking in you have heard it said listen he 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 said this in matthew 5 you have heard it said you shall not murder, murder But I say that whoever is angry with his brother is guilty of murder in his heart. He said this, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say, don't look upon a woman to lust after her in your heart. Jesus was going after the heart, right? You have heard it said, and then he said this, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, get vengeance. But I say to you, if someone slaps you on the cheek, what do you do? You turn the other. Let him have that side too. If someone steals your cloak, what do you do? someone steals something for from you you give them you give them something else on top of that and then he said this and this one if that didn't mess up their world he said this you have heard it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy it was common amongst the jews in that day that it was okay to hate your enemies It was a common belief of the Jews of that day. It was okay. Yeah, love your neighbor. Love those that are like you. Love those that look like you, dress like you, talk like you, serve the God that you serve. Love those that look like you. Love your neighbor. That's easy. He said, you heard it said, love your neighbor, but they would have believed it's okay to hate your enemies. Hate those. Despise those that are against your God. Despise those that are the lowest of the low, that are the outcasts, that are are the sinners. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. How amazing is that? The gospel is for everyone, not just the ones that look like they have it all together. This is why I believe it's so significant that the birth announcement first came to lowly shepherds. It shows us the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's for that coworker that you work with that gets on your nerves every day. Does anybody have somebody like that? You would never admit that, would you? At least not to their face. But you all have one of those. I don't have any at Living Word Church. Nobody gets on my nerves every day here. <laughs> but you, it's 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 for that person. It's for it's for the person it's for the person that you see on TV. That's living a lifestyle that that is not biblical, and you look at them and and you think, man, that they're just they're just so terrible and sinful. It's, it's disgusting. It, it, it turns, turns my stomach, right? The gospel is for them. It's for the ones who don't obey scriptures and obey our God. The gospel is for everyone. It's hard to love our enemies. You ever had some enemies? It's hard to love your enemies. It's hard. L- listen to what Jesus said. But I say, love your enemies and then pray for Those. Who persecutes? You ever been persecuted by people in your life? Maybe you've been persecuted by your family. Maybe you're serving the Lord here today and you walked away and your, your family is not really serving the Lord. And, and maybe you come from a different church background and you're here serving the Lord and you're getting persecuted for your faith. Jesus says to pray for those who persecute you. Pray for your enemies. Maybe somebody ridicules you for your faith, a friend or a coworker, or somebody that you know you've met. And, and, and it's not easy to pray for our enemies to love our enemies and those who persecute us but this is the picture of the gospel that jesus is bringing us through the story of the birth announcements to the shepherds that it is for everyone those that we love those that we don't love those that look lovable and those that don't look lovable those that act like us and those that don't you remember jonah what did God tell Jonah in the Old Testament? The prophet Jonah. Some people call him the reluctant prophet. I like to call him the disobedient prophet. The guy just disobeyed. Delayed obedience is what? Tell that to my kids all the time. Delayed obedience is disobedience. You did not obey. Jonah delayed his obedience. He ran, but he disobeyed. He was a disobedient prophet. God told Jonah, Go to Nineveh and preach. Repentance. Tell them that if they do not repent, that my judgment is going to come. And Jonah talked to God and said, God, I know that you're merciful. I know that you're loving and you're full of compassion. And that's the reason I don't want to go. Because these people are bad. The people of Nineveh, history tells us, were some of the most wicked, evil people of that society. They loved to kill. They loved blood. They loved murder. They loved to kill their victims and torture them. They were known in that society for that type of lifestyle. And that's the reason not only Jonah was fearful for his life, but he also, he, he, he didn't like them. And that's why he did not want to go, because he knew that if he went and preached that judgment was coming, that there would be a possibility that Nineveh would repent and that God would be merciful to them. And his hatred and his heart for those people would not allow him to go without a fight. And God had to get a hold of him, right? He gets on a boat. He's running from God. The boat gets, gets a, a, a waves tossed back and forth. And the, and the captains and the, and the people in the boat are like, what is going on? Why is this happening? We're all going to die. And Jonah says, hey, it's me. It's me. It's my fault. It's, my, it's my, my bad. I'm running from God. Throw me overboard. So he gets thrown overboard. A fish, a great fish swallows him up. He's in there three days, three nights in the belly of the great fish. And he comes to his senses. He repents in the fish and, and says, so, okay, I'll go, Lord. Fish spews him out. He goes. He preaches repentance. And then he sits on top of a hill, preaches repentance, goes on top of the hill. He's sitting there and he's watching. He's waiting. What's God going to do? He's waiting for the fire. He's waiting for the lightning bolts to hit. He's watching. He's watching. This is what he does. Let's look at Jonah 4. While he's waiting, while he's waiting, God wanted to teach him a lesson. So God caused a, a tree, a plant to grow and give shade for his, apparently he was bald, for his bald head. So God wanted to teach him a lesson while he's waiting to watch what will happen to Nineveh. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Jonah was angry that God might give mercy to Nineveh. And then God causes a plant to rise up and give Jonah shade. And he's angry and he's willing to die because the plant's gone. Jonah's answer to God was, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pitied the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And God said, here's the point, Jonah, that you're missing. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? What, 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 What was God telling Jonah there? This picture of 120,000 who don't know their right from their left, he's speaking about children. He's saying there's over 120,000 children that are there and, and much cattle. Would you not have pity? Yes, yes, I understand you see that the adults are evil and they're wicked, but would you not have pity on Nineveh for the sake of the children? For those who don't know their right from their left? He says, you pity a plant. The heart of what God was trying to tell Jonah and the heart of what he tries to tell us when we read a story in Luke 2 of the gospel first coming to shepherds, the lowest of the low, it's the same theme of the gospel, that the gospel is for all people. It's good news for all people, even the people we don't like, even our enemies. May we never, listen, this is a, a warning for all of us, may we never have the same discriminatory heart that Jonah had. May we never see people that way. Look, I understand it's difficult living in a culture and in a world that they they don't just sin. They flaunt their sin. They flaunt their rebellion against God and and against Scripture. And they live in ways that really are contrary to God's Word. And it causes us to be grieved in our heart. But I pray that we would never develop the heart that Jonah had. I pray that we would have the heart that Jesus had. I pray we would be like Jesus that we read in Matthew chapter 9. That we would love sinners that we would pray for our enemies, that we would pray for those who persecute us, those who don't look like us or act like us. If we're not careful, we can put people in categories. We can grade people based upon their, their, de- their, de- their deservedness of the gospel. The gospel is good news for all people. Good news for the adulterer. Good news for the liar. Good news for the thief. Good news for the poor. Good news for every people group, every tribe, every nation. It is good news for our neighbors. It is good news for our enemies. It is even good news for those who are trusting in their own good works. It's good news for everybody. It's the first lesson we see in this story of the birth announcement of, to the shepherds that the good news of the gospel is for all people. The second thing we're going to look at here this morning is that the gospel is good news for all people, that a Savior has come. So, so look back at the text in Luke 2, verse 10. The angel said that I bring you good, good news. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will be for all the people. And then specifically, the angel says this, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. Jesus came to save. He's a Savior. Good news is not good news unless you know what the news is for. If you don't know what the news if you don't understand why Jesus came, then it's really not good news. Jesus came to be a savior for those who need saving. This is what the gospel is. The gospel is good news for those who need saving. You know, Jesus born in a manger or the Jesus of the nativity scene does not cause trouble in the minds of people. Right? You've seen the nativity scene. Most of the time it's inaccurate because it has the, the wise men there and the wise men would have came two years later. But whatever. It's, a, it's an inaccurate picture. But it's a nativity scene and, and you see Jesus there. That doesn't really cause trouble in the minds of people because who doesn't like a baby? Like babies are cute. They're beautiful. They're, they're cuddly and you want to hold them. And, and Right? You know, you like babies until they get cranky and want to be fed and wake you up in the middle of the night. But generally speaking... People aren't turned off at Christmas because of a baby. Actually, it's kind of it's cute and they love it. Jesus, the Jesus of the Nativity scene, does not cause trouble in the minds of a people. Or, or even Jesus, a man of history, born in Bethlehem, does not cause trouble in the minds of people. But when you start talking about Jesus as a Savior, and you actually start talking about what the heart of Christmas is, that's when you get to the heart of the matter. Christmas is not about a baby born in a manger that we celebrate the, cute, the, the cuteness of this baby and we want, to, we, we want to twist his fat thighs or we want to pinch his cute little cheeks. The baby in the manger born over 2,000 years ago was born to be a savior. You know, I, was, I watched a clip from Tucker Carlson uh, a few days ago. And he said something. and and I just felt like I I could not, I was listening to him, and I was like, wow, listen to what he's saying. He was talking about the season of Christmas. He was talking about what happens during the season of Christmas in our society, and this is what he said. During the Christmas season, people reflect on their life. What's the purpose of all of this? What matters most in my life? He says, these are the questions. What? The purpose of all of this, what matters most in my life, and what happens when it ends? He even started talking about eternity. He said, What happens when we die? These questions are more in line with the real meaning of Christmas, says Tucker Carlson. What matters most? Why am I here? But when you look at Christmas and you look at all the trappings of Christmas that's all around us, it's not about Jesus being a Savior. It's about a cute baby in a manger. And I think Tucker gets it right that our world today, when we're in even the season we're in right now, I want us to be sensitive and to think about this. Living in the time that we live in right now, of all times, Christmas is so significant because we live in a time in our society where things are so upside down right now. So many people are unsure and are worried about the future. Now is the time to point people to the reality of those questions. Is this it? Is, is this it? Is this, is this all there is? Where do I go when I die? What, what happens with my life? The answer is Christmas. That's what the answer is. The answer during this time is that Jesus was born in the manger over 2,000 years ago to die to, to, to be your Savior. He was born to die, born to be a Savior. May we have the compassion. Listen, may we have the compassion and the boldness this year to proclaim the real meaning of the incarnation, God becoming man. May we not just get lost in the narrative of the culture of Christmas and Santa Claus and and lights and Christmas trees and all those things. That is not the heart of Christmas, and those things aren't bad or evil. But it's not the heart of Christmas. Jesus came He was born, God became man to die on the cross for you and to die on the cross for me, to die for all people so that they might be born again. Jesus said that he wishes that none should perish but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth and may we have the boldness now more than ever in the year 2020 to declare to the world around us, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, say, hey, Jesus is the reason for the season. It it, it wasn't just a cute baby and and a cute manger scene and and, and a time to exchange presents. No, Jesus is the reason for the season. Look at Matthew chapter 1. The angel speaking to Joseph about Mary. The angel says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will do what? Save his people from their sins. Why do people need saving? Because we're guilty. Because we're guilty. Romans 6 makes, makes it clear. Romans 6 makes it clear that the wages of sin is death. We're all born with a sinful nature. We're all born with a propensity towards sin. And unless we find repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, we stand guilty before our Creator. And Jesus came so that we don't have to die in our sins. He came so that we can be forgiven and born again. He came so that the the weight and the guilt of our sin can be cleansed and we can stand with peace in our heart. That is why Jesus came. The gospel is good news for all people that a Savior has come. A Savior has come. Jesus came for a rescue mission. The rescue mission that, that Jesus was on was to become the substitute for the sins of humanity, to take our place, to receive the wage of death on our behalf, to absorb the wrath of God on our behalf. So when you think about Christmas and you're going to be around people that you love on Christmas and you're going to exchange gifts, just like the birth announcements, when you give gifts, who do you give gifts to? People you know or people you don't know? People you know, right? You can give gifts to your mama, your daddy, your auntie, your uncle, your cousins, maybe. You can give them to your grandma, your grandpa, your in-laws. You can give them to people that you, that you love, that are important to you, right? That's what you do at Christmas, right? You don't, you don't go find your neighbor next door that you don't really know and give them a gift. You don't find your enemy and give them a gift at Christmas, right? That's not what you do. That's not, that's not what we do. That's, what, that's a worldly view of Christmas. What is the real meaning of Christmas? The gifts rewrap every year are given to people we like and love, our friends and our family, but the gift that God gave and wrapped in swaddling clothes was given to those who were his enemies. Wow. You see the major difference? I'm going to give them to my kids because I love them. And God gave his son to his enemies because he loved them. He was born to be a savior. That's the meaning of Christmas and I pray today That we would carry that same passion, that same burden. Look at Romans 5. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have now received reconciliation. We were enemies of the cross. And at Christmas, at the Incarnation, God wrapped the innocent son of God, born, wrapped, in swaddling clothes to be a gift for his enemies. Isn't that good news? The good news. The good news is for all people that a Savior has come. I want to do this. I debated whether I was going to do it again. But we'll do it again as an exercise. I did this about three years ago. Did you guys know the song? I preached this message three years ago. And I preached this song, and I started singing, so I need you to sing. Is is my mic going out? Is it going back and forth? Do I need a handheld mic? do Do you guys know this song? You better watch out, not cry. You better not pout, I'm telling you why. Come on, people. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Isn't that weird? As if you've been. So be good for goodness sakes. And then he says this. He's making a list. Did did we sing that? We saw that already? He's going to find out who's Santa Claus. You guys see it? Who gets the gifts at Christmas? The good people or the bad people? He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Christmas misses the whole point of Christ. This has nothing to do with Christ. Santa Claus has nothing to do with Christ. Santa Claus gives gifts to good people, not bad people. The gospel is good news for all people that a Savior is born. For our enemies, for everybody, for the lowest of the low, for those who don't want anything to do with God. This is the true message of Christmas. This is what makes the good news, good news, that we need saving. Amen? Amen. You can clap. that's, that's, That's worthy of an applause, that we need saving, that God came to save. I quoted Tucker Carlson, so I'm going to quote another newscaster. I actually didn't realize that I had two newscaster quotes in one sermon. Did not plan it. Just thought about it this morning. I'm quoting two news people. You guys ever heard of Andy Rooney? 1978 to 2011 he he was on 60 Minutes and Andy Rooney was talking about why news is always bad he said that's what we do our news we sell bad news he said what would happen if we just decided to quit talking about all the bad things he pondered that and this is what he said he imagined a newscast in which it was reported that planes took off and landed safely He imagined a newscast that in Florida, the orange crop was hit by another night of average weather. And the oranges just hung there and grew. He imagined a a newscast from from Detroit where General Motors announced that 174,000 Chevrolets would not be recalled because they were all perfect. Rooney's point was this, that good news isn't always appreciated unless... It's against the backdrop of the bad news. And that's the point of the gospel message. The point of the gospel message is that there is bad news and that we all need saving. And the point of Christmas is that Jesus came for all people and that he came to save them from their sins. He came to save them from their sins. And if you're here today and you've never been saved from your sins, you've never been born again, today can be the day that you say yes to Christ and you understand the true meaning of Christmas. But I pray that that wouldn't get lost on us this year. That's the heart of this first message as we kind of, we're going to continue on to the story next week and we're going to culminate with Christmas service. But the heart of this message that I wanted to bring home to us as we kind of are beginning the Christmas season Is that it wouldn't get lost on us what the purpose of Christmas is. And that of all the years, of all the years in 2020, that we would point to Christ now more than ever. I think it's easy for us to get lost in the parties, get lost in the clutter of Christmas, and forget what it's all about. But we will not do that here at Living Word Church, and I pray that we won't do it in our individual lives. Have you ever lost something, though? I want to close with this thought here. Have you ever lost something? Yeah, come on now. Yeah, you lost something. Has your wife ever lost something? Your wife ever lost her keys? Her wallet? Her cell phone that she never has the ringer on? (laughs) Anybody lost a cell phone? Any other husbands with that struggle in the building here this morning? My, My wife has a propensity to lose things in her purse. It's a running joke in my family. She'll lose... She'll lose her keys. That purse right there. <laughs> she'll lose her keys or her wallet or her cell phone. And she can't find her cell phone. And I have the same answer. It's in your purse. I promise you. It's there. And she'll look all over. She'll even look in the purse. See, I already looked in there. It's lost. It's like the, it's like the Bermuda Triangle. Women's purses are like the Bermuda Triangle. When things get in there, they're gone. But inevitably, we dig in there. This is what we do. Listen. We dig through all the clutter. (laughs) Some of you women have suitcases for purses. (laughs) We were at the bank on Thursday, and this lady brought this purse, and she said, I've got my purse, and she put it on the table. She said, excuse me, it's my suitcase. (laughs) It really was massive. And so you dig through all the clutter, you get through, and where was it? It was in the obvious place, but it was hidden amongst the clutter. You guys get my point? It was hidden amongst the clutter. It's there all along, but you can't see it because other things are stopping your view. I pray that this year, my prayer as we're entering the the busy time of the Christmas season, my prayer is that we would not forget or downplay the significance of a Savior born in Bethlehem. I pray that we would dig through our purses and clean them out, ladies. Clean out the clutter. People, let's clean out the clutter of Christmas this year and let's focus on Christ. My prayer is that we would not get lost in the middle of the celebrations and the parties. My prayer is that the real message of Christmas would not get lost amongst the clutter. That nothing would hinder our view of the greatest news that has ever hit planet Earth. What is that news? The news is this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen? Would you stand your feet with me? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. I want us to begin our Christmas season like that here at Living Word, remembering what the reason for the season really is. Good news for all people. The gospel is for everyone. And we're called to preach it wherever we go. And the good news is that Christ is a Savior. He's a Savior. Father, we come before you this morning, and and I thank you for reminding us here today through your word, through Luke chapter 2, that when you first announced the birth of your son, that you went to the lowest of the low and you came and showed us that the good news is for all people, even people we don't like, even people we disagree with. The gospel is for everyone. And I thank you, Lord, that you reveal to us that Christmas is not about the trees and the lights and Santa Claus and and even the giving of gifts. That Christmas is about the reality that Christ came to be our Savior. And God, I pray that in the year 2020 that we would not forget that truth. That we would declare it with boldness and compassion to those around us. That Jesus is the reason for the season of celebration. But may we not lose that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. I will see you next week.